I feel like every time you start talking about popcorn, I want to play the more you know. <laughs> I know. <'cause laughs> From the TV PSA. You are like, you are addicted to this, like the popcorn bucket. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by my path unwinding travel. And Sam, welcome to another a bonus episode. You've been doing a few episodes on your own even. So, but but welcome yeah. to another bonus show. Why, thank you, Brian. I have to confess, I'm not feeling 100% right now because my left arm is on fire, killing me. Um, I did get that, uh, the new COVID booster thing today and yeah, and it's, I always have a reaction at the injection site and today is no different. So, but I'm still here. I'm still my peppy self. Uh, just wanted to put that out there. Sam, normally a ball of pep, but, uh, today we'll deal with Sam light, <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam light, which may be enough. more manageable for some of our listeners out there. I'm not sure. It's like Coca-Cola light instead of diet Coke. <laughs> it's the, it's the tab of Sam's. That's what it is. We call the tab <laughs> of Sam's today. Well, I got to start by welcoming a listener, a first time guest on the show, Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me. We're excited to chat with you because uh, when you reached out, you mentioned that uh, you like to sail, I'm going to put it this way, sail Disney on a budget. We were talking off air that uh, Disney is by no means a budget cruise line ever, unless you're a cast member or get some sort of insane discount through some other means. So it's always going to be kind of a luxury good, but there are ways to sail Disney on a budget, which I view as different. Uh, you know, you can really operate within the bounds, get the most for your money might be the way to say it. And Sarah, you have some experience with that. So we're going to chat about that uh, this evening. But before we do, we always love to get our guests, Disney cruising background. So Sarah, what's your street cred around Disney Cruise Line? Tell our <laughs> listeners. Well, so we just went on our fifth cruise in August. And Woohoo! Yeah, gold, right? Welcome to gold. Woohoo! <laughs> I, I mean, it took a really long time because we had that nice long pause, but um, we finally <laughs> made it there. So we started cruising um, when my youngest, we have two kiddos. Um, when my youngest was just over a year old, we were kind of looking for a fun family vacation and said, hey, let's give this thing a try. Um, we started out with three nights on the dream and essentially never looked back and said, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, so we've been on the dream twice and we've been on the magic three times now. And we actually have done a westbound transatlantic with our little kids. So, oh my goodness, that's awesome. That's on our list for sure. I don't know if we have to do a westbound versus an eastbound, but I want to do a transatlantic at some point. Uh, the 25 hours in a day is incredible. Highly recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just need like an office that just just swirls around the international dateline all the time. I think <laughs> no. that would be that would be perfect. But yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, and I think one of the other things that's kind of unique for our family is, you know, we didn't ever hit a Disney park until after our fourth cruise. And that includes everyone in our family. So um, oh, adults wow. included. So we were kind of cruisers only and then finally decided, hey, we'll give this park thing a try and, and hit Disneyland in 2021. So holy cow, like you you never went to the parks as a kid or anything. No. And that's even that's even growing up being a Disney fan, right? Like watching the movies, singing the songs, all this stuff. But it was just never, never quite a thing for I, I grew up in the Midwest and I'm still living there. And so kind of the, the farm family. And yeah, those were just never the trips we took. So well, Sarah, I'm curious. I mean, let's dive right into this topic of 
stretching your dollar on Disney Cruise Line. We've we've had episodes like this in the past, but I think every time we talk to someone new about this topic, we learn some new tip or strategy ourselves. Absolutely. That we, just had, we had not thought about. Uh, It's also good to keep reminding folks that there are ways to kind of stretch your dollar on the cruise line. But how do you go about thinking through the cruises you take, the sailings you take, the itineraries you go on with Disney Cruise Line from a budget standpoint? Sure. So I would say um, for us, a lot of um, our planning is around schedules, right? So once the kids were in school, it's school schedules, you know, other, other events that we might have going on. So we're a little more kind of locked into dates and then we look for itineraries from there. That's our perspective. But I would say, you know, we definitely try to look for those cruises that you know are a little more reasonably priced. For example, that's why, you know, we did, we ended up going on a westbound transatlantic when our kids were four and two because we knew we would never get there um, when the kids were in school. We could never take them out of school for that long, or at least that was not something we were interested in. And those cruises are actually a lot of bang for your buck. If you think about how many, um, well, they're longer cruises, right? And so you're, even though overall the cost might be more, your per day cost probably actually lower on a longer cruise than it is, say, on like a three night or four night dream cruise, right? Absolutely. And I think when we were looking back in, we, we went on the westbound in 2017, back then you couldn't get uh you know any of the seven night fantasy cruises for for less than what we paid for our 11 nights so so yeah definitely price per night was way cheaper i think people you know when they're looking at overall cost or they get sort of sticker shock right when they're if they're only looking at overall cost and and if you are looking at overall cost obviously you know, a three night, I guess now on the wish, even though each individual night on the wish is actually more expensive than any other night on any other cruise uh, ship, at least in, in the Disney family. So the overall cost is lower, but the per night cost is actually higher. So yeah, those longer cruises, repositioning cruises, I think always are a little bit more budget friendly if you can obviously do the longer cruise. Well, and uh, I would say right now, the other thing to think through is which ship you're taking, because the Wish is the most expensive ship out there and the treasure will be next in line as soon as it launches. So you want to get on those new ships. I think we sort of roundaboutly mentioned this before, like the cost of a three or a four night cruise on a per night basis is higher in part because they've got the Wish doing those sailings right now. So um, to cobble together a seven night sailing on the Wish is comparatively higher priced than a seven night sailing on the Fancy, for instance. So um, just be prepared for that. Yeah. Well, and do you guys give, have have you given any thought, Sarah, to which port you want to go out, out of, or is it more, or you have to be obviously somewhat more limited by schedule? That's what really happens to us. Yeah. So we definitely, you know, we're, we live in the Midwest, so we know whichever port doesn't matter to us, right? We're getting on a plane to get there. So, so yeah, our, our second cruise on the Magic was, was a five-nighter out of Miami and that was over spring break week. And I think that did, you know, probably save us some money versus, you know, hey, we could have taken the, you know, the, the Saturday to Saturday on the on the fantasy or, you know, some of those shorter cruises. But yeah, again, I think, you know, price per night, we were we were getting a pretty good deal there. Yeah, especially if you're, if you're going to be on any ship over spring break, you are going to be wanting to look at which one's the cheapest because uh, for sure, that's a more expensive time to sail. Well, if it's school break, you, I think the point here is if it's school break, you don't have a choice, right? I mean, like there's the those are oversubscribed cruises because kids are out of school. Summer, same way, although a little less because kids have camps and stuff. So you get it spread out a little bit more. But it's spring break, if you want to go on a cruise at spring break, uh, there's no deals. <laughs> 
And definitely your point about which ship makes a big difference too, right? I mean, we're saving, you know, I think we're saving a bunch of money going on the the magic right now for some of these cruises versus, you know, wanting to just wait it out until the fantasy is a little more reasonable, right? I would love to get on the fantasy, but we're we're kind of waiting until maybe those prices, you know, kind of level out a little bit with the new ships. When the treasure comes out, um, it'll. I don't remember which itinerary the fantasy is going to switch to, but I think the prediction is that the. I don't know if it's been announced prediction, whatever. But treasure is probably going to take over that seven night fantasy run, the Eastern Western Caribbean, because that's how they did it with the fantasy and the dream. When the dream came out, she took over the three four nights, and when the fantasy came out, she took over the you know over the seven nights. So. That's sort of the pattern we we think will be happening for the the treasure as well. Well, and solidified by the fact that Dream is heading to Europe. And so the fantasy is likely to start to pick up some of those three and four night sailings out of what will be Port Everglades. So I think just I think it's just we should reinforce like if you're looking to cruise at spring break, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, <laughs> like those cruises carry a premium. So if you can find a way, if you're comfortable pulling your kids out of school for uh, kind of an off season sailing. Uh, there's some value to be had there. Similarly, cruises tend to be less expensive during hurricane season. <laughs> so, uh, and so, you know, as is experiencing right now, those cruises tend to, uh, I don't want to say in all cases, but they tend to be a little bit more discounted because there's risk and because kids are in school, right? So if you're willing to pull your kids out of school and sail off season, uh, that's, I think, when you can make some, you know, potentially bang for your for your buck on some of these itineraries. And, and on the port discussion, I would just say there are expensive ports to sail out of and there are less expensive ports to sail out of. You know, uh, European cruise is already expensive, but sailing out of Dover after having traveled to London, airfare is expensive, London's expensive, getting to the port's expensive, the shore excursions are expensive. So like, you know, the, the port you sail out of can also impact your, your cost equation here a little bit if you can sort of align the three things. I, I always think about booking a cruise as being a, you know, start to start to pencil out, like, do you have a preference on ship? Do you have a preference on time of year? Do you have a preference on destination? Do you have a preference on ports of call or ports of departure? And, you know, answer one of those two things and suddenly you're pretty much narrowed down the field to the itinerary you need to book. So, um, and the ship you need to be on. There are occasions where Disney does put out promotions like the recent one for uh, kids under kids sailing free uh, or third and fourth passenger sailing free in the same room. Um, but obviously those have some limitations, but there are occasionally discounts are just few and far between when it comes to Disney. It, I, I do think it's worthwhile noting that as Disney adds capacity, you may see more of those kinds of opportunities as well. Um, Cause you know, I think their thinking is we have sufficient demand to fill all of this capacity that we're building, but that you know may not be, may not be true. So watch out. <laughs> Sarah, let's let's move on to like just some of the ways to stretch your dollar you found kind of on board the ship. Um, it, what are your kind of your top three to five tips or tricks on board to make that dollar stretch a little further? Sure. So I would say we definitely we definitely take advantage of a few different options. One, we've been lucky to go on multiple cruises and we've booked with travel agents that give you the onboard credit. So walking onto the ship with, you know, kind of your money to spend. To me, that almost gives me a budget when I start like, hey, I have X hundred dollars or, you know, these this amount of money to go spend on the ship. And I feel like it's, you know, just kind of free fun money. And we really sometimes I've actually had to go to the gift shop on the last day to buy 
just one other thing to not give any money back. <laughs> yes, those you don't want to lose that onboard credit. Yeah, so that's a good pointer. So if I can repeat this, so we've said it on previous shows, but you do not as the customer pay anything to use a travel agent to book a Disney vacation, be it a cruise or a parks vacation. If you are booking either one of these things, as well as a lot of other um, all-inclusive type vacations, uh, the uh, business pays the travel agent a commission out of their profit. So you don't pay any more than you would pay if you booked it yourself. And you don't have to be the one to sit on hold with Disney Cruise Line for hours when you have to make some sort of change. So, um, And you can still book all of your onboard activities yourself. You don't have to rely on your travel agent to do it. In fact, most of the travel agents want you to do it yourself because um, it's hard to know what's available until your booking window actually opens. Yeah. So I want to say that because a lot of people in the community still don't know that fact. But I also will say that not every travel agent or travel agency does onboard credits because onboard credit means that they are taking money out of their commission and giving it to you. We know of some agencies who do this and some agencies who don't do it. When I say it, I mean onboard credit. That does to us, that doesn't diminish the value of booking with a travel agent in general. Yeah, for sure. What else, Sarah? What's some other tips you have? This one might be a little unique to us, but you know, since we're talking about playing with onboard credit, something that we've done a few times in in our cruising history, um, we actually pay our gratuities in advance. So that doesn't mean that we're not, you know, upping gratuities based on great service, but you know, we're kind of covering that, you know, baseline gratuity before we leave. So again, it just gives you kind of more of that onboard credit to play with, you know, kind of gives you that extra wiggle room when it comes to your use of that. Yeah, that's a great idea because you know I'm at least spending X and then you can adjust as appropriate and and you've already sort of taken care of that. So you aren't penny pinching at the end there trying to figure out, oh, did I spend too much money? Because you already figured that into your budget. Yeah. And I would say, you know, we also are, we're just kind of not, we're not real heavy spenders on board. We haven't really got into bingo. You know, anytime we're thinking about paying for any kind of food item, we're thinking, man, is there something else I can get on board anywhere else? Which of course, it's usually like, okay, let's go get ice cream because this is a really good idea. But yeah, I would say, you know, paying paying any extra for food isn't necessarily something that that we've gotten in the habit of. And especially when you're talking about cruising with younger kids, it's all about kind of the choices that you give them. And so, you know, we kind of focus on mealtimes and hey, if you need a snack, it's, you know, ice cream or a cookie or things like that. That's a great point. You really don't need to spend any money on food on board. Now, you know, we talk about adult dining sometimes, and obviously it's something that we like to do, um, but it's totally not necessary from a budget standpoint. Like main dining is great, especially when you're traveling with younger kids. You know, you're going to have to go to the dining room, main dining anyway, so your kids can eat. So if you, you know, are, are wanting to pinch your pennies a little bit, yeah, not doing any adult dining, you you won't miss it. You can have a great experience in in main dining for sure. And I think your point about snacks is one, is a great one too. You know, the one thing I think that people get tempted by of course is the popcorn outside the theater for sure. because when you're going, yeah, when you're going for a show or a movie, the smell of that popcorn is really enticing. So I will give my one tip with that is if you have a popcorn bucket from a previous cruise or from a Disney park and you bring it with you or buy one on board, you know, your first popcorn in the bucket on board, you can get refills for like $2. 
So if your kids really need that popcorn or you're like me and you just really need that popcorn in the theater, yeah, you can you can budget popcorn. $2 is a lot less than whatever the ridiculous cost of one of those popcorn buckets is. So I feel like every time you start talking about popcorn, I want to play the more you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> From the TV PSA, you are like, you are addicted to this, like the popcorn bucket. <laughs> I know. Brian always laughs at me because I he sees me packing the popcorn bucket and he's like, are you really going to schlep this thing on? And, I was, and I'm always like, yep, I'm really going to schlep it on because I know that Nathan and I are both going to want popcorn and I don't want to spend like $20 for that darn bucket. And if I don't do, if I don't have the bucket, then I'm buying the paper one. And that's even worse because buying the paper one, you can't use for refills at all. And so, yes, even though it's cheaper than the plastic bucket is, um, there is no refill benefit there. So, And consider the uh, popcorn bucket graveyard you would have in your house if she was buying those on every cruise. <laughs> that's oh, right. I, well, no, we already have that. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, like, good call. Thank you for trying, Sarah. I really yeah. appreciate it. To be fair, it's not a graveyard. It's a collection of sorts. It's a collection. <laughs> All right. There you go. I do have a number of like the, the, I do have a graveyard though also in our garage because I have some of the kind of boring, you know, plastic round ones. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but most of my popcorn buckets are cute. So. But you do, um, I mean, that does lead to one other cost saving tip, which is uh, Sam doesn't buy the sand toys on Castaway Key. Now, sometimes she brings along her own set of sand toys that we have, but sometimes you can just use the popcorn bucket for a sand toy. It's like totally sufficient. Uh, yeah, as and actually, one of the one of the cruise line ones that we had bought years ago, actually that I still have, actually had like the castle shape to the bottom of it of the popcorn bucket. It was one of those like r- normal looking round ones, but at the bottom it had like the little castle shape on it. So it was clearly, I think, intended to be used as a, sort of a double function of being a a, a sand toy. So yeah, that's absolutely true. That to me, that is a great savings measure. And maybe people think I'm weird, but you know, I would totally wash out that bucket and use it for popcorn again. <laughs> well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel, who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path Unwinding has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. So Sarah, I'm curious, do you take advantage of onboard drink specials or drink of the day or the beer mug or anything like that as you, you know, or do you just skip the alcoholic beverages altogether pretty much? 
we don't have that much restraint. We definitely take advantage of a few of those things. So I think before <laughs> our either second or third cruise, I had purchased the the beer mug for my husband. And so he definitely, you know, I think he's hit that up on, you know, kind of opening day, mid-afternoon, like, hey, is, is O'Gill's open yet? And he'll hop down there and, and kind of get to know the bartender. But yeah, we've definitely done, you know, taken advantage of happy hour drinks and things like that. But I would say if we're paying for for one or two a day, normal price, that's that's worth it to us. And it's still, honestly, it still has fit within kind of that, like playing with our onboard credit. So do you, uh, do you bring alcohol on with you at all? Cause that's another way I think folks can save some money is, you know, if you want to have a drink before dinner, if you've got a bottle of wine in your room, you can open that thing up, pour a glass of wine and wander around the ship with it. Yeah, we definitely have. And especially, so we've taken two cruises out of European ports and that's, you know, that makes it extra fun. You go, you go find some good local beer or wine and, and take that on. That kind of, you know, is, is part of, part of the vacation for you as well. Well, and I think people don't realize you, you, you are limited when you come on the ship initially to bringing like, I think it's a half dozen beers uh, or like two bottles of wine, but per at person, each po- per, per adult, person, over, per, per adult. adult over 21. Right. But at every port you can also, so they don't like check, oh, did you drink through your first two bottles before you, you know, bring on two more bottles from your first port stop or your second port stop or whatever. But if you are, you know, so if you're a big wine person, but don't want to pay the price of Disney, yeah, it's, it's really a pretty easy thing to do. We even have paid, I will say, admit that we've even paid corkage in the dining room when we brought a bottle with us. And to be honest, if you're if you're bringing a good bottle from home, I think it's worth it because we can't get as good of a bottle on board as some of the ones we can bring for home for any kind of decent price. So what about the spa, Sarah? Do you exercise restraint around the spa or do you, I mean, they do have some deals and stuff to be had once you're on board uh, if you don't want to pre-book and if you're flexible with when you want to go, but do you, do you take advantage of the spa or is that, an, is that a place where you're like, eh, it's just not worth it to me? Uh, I have visited the spa locker rooms to have a nice, you know, spacious shower, but that is about it. So um, my, neither my husband or I are really like massage people. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I, re- I think it really comes down to most of the time that we spend is with the kids as much as we can. If we can keep them out of the kids club, obviously we let them go in, but um, (laughs) you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of focus on time with the kids. And, and yeah, I think it's just one of those, we're not uh, people that really use a spa even at home or, you know, I don't, I'm not a go get my nails done type person. So, so yeah, that's a place that we avoid. And I think that definitely does save us a lot of money. What about um, short excursions? Do you look for like third party excursions as a way to maybe save a little money? Because we've 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 heard the stories about, well, I could have paid, call it two hundred and fifty dollars for that helicopter excursion in Alaska. But instead, I just paid the hundred and twenty five and used the same provider that Disney had and was standing right next to people who had the Disney stickers on. I mean, do you do you seek out third party excursions or, or perhaps just, you know. And some ports just say, I'm not doing an excursion because it's not worth it. Uh, how do you approach shore excursions? Yeah, I think that's definitely a big money saver for us. Specifically, you know, we've done this Norwegian cruise uh, in August and we actually didn't spend any money on a Disney excursion. And of our four ports, we only had one paid excursion. The other days were just um, kind of days that I had planned on our own, where we were going to go, what we were going to do. And I think that's part of the fun for me you know, looking at a port and saying, Hey, what do we want to do? What makes sense for you know the kids? What makes sense for us? And, and just going and seeking that out. And, and for some of the Mexican cruises, those have been, you know, a Disney shore excursion and that's totally worth it. But I would say, you know, we have absolutely loved 
our port stops in our European cruises where we have just made a plan, done little little things here and there, visited a bakery, go for a walk, visit a castle. And those have been probably the most memorable. And it's nice because, you know, it's just you and your family and you're not rushed anywhere. You get to spend as much time as you want, wherever you want. So that is definitely, you know, especially when you're talking about some of those very expensive European ports. I mean, for a family of four, we're saving ourselves, you know, six to $800, you know, per port stop. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's an important hidden cost to call out, especially for like, if you're going to do a European cruise again on a budget, not a budget European cruise, but on a budget or Alaska, uh, a lot of those cruises, the shore excursions can quickly add up because, you know, you're talking about dog sledding or helicopter rides or canopy treetop zip lining and so i mean it it can get costly on the shore excursion side f- fairly quickly so if you're wanting to stick to a budget that's a place where either build that into the budget going in look for third party providers or strike out on your own yeah. but i think the important tip here though is that it does require you to do a little bit of research about the port to figure out if you're going to be in a port where you can just access the city or town really easily versus if you really need a tour provider to sort of get you out and into where the action is and so i think for example norway is a great uh, norway is a great example we we did excursions but we really didn't need them where we were porting was right you know, sort of in the heart of these either towns, villages, cities. Um, And so it would have been very easy to just sort of go off on your own. There are probably some other places where that's more complicated or less possible. And then I think in those situations, then at least looking at third-party tour operators, doing research on that is probably your best bet for saving some money, but still getting to do something, you know, interesting and not just kind of walking around an industrial port. Yeah, for sure. Our our third-party excursion on this trip was in Olesund, and we uh, had booked a private hike because um, we had looked at the excursions that Disney had offered. And the most intriguing one, the best sites was, I think, almost the entire day on a bus. And the thought of that with the nine and a seven-year-old, we said that would be a day of torture. But yeah, we we found a we found a private hike and it was. It was us and, you know, and a tour guide that quickly made friends with my kids and they kind of structured it, you know, to be accessible but with gorgeous views. And it was definitely, you know, the highlight of the trip for us just to spend time together. It was quiet. It was not touristy. It was it was perfect. How'd you find those excursions, Sarah? I think I probably got to that one through TripAdvisor. I'm kind of a, a big user of that, at least just to give like a sanity check of okay, is this, you know, does it seem like a real company? Is there any, you know, legitimate you know, gripes or concerns. So I think I ended up getting to that company through TripAdvisor. But yeah, they were great to work with, um, easy to communicate with, and especially, you know, how Europe worked this summer, you know, not knowing if you were going to get on the cruise ship until, you know, a few days before. They were definitely really kind and flexible about all of that. What about adult dining, Sarah? Do you skip adult dining altogether? Or do you find that, you know, in some cases, you can get the value for the money from a Palo. Sure. So we've kind of decided that, you know, dinner time is family time. And so we haven't done any um, adult dining um, at dinner time, but we've definitely taken advantage of a few Palo brunches and they are awesome and we love them. And, you know, we've, we've done kind of the buffet format a few years ago and then, and then the modified style now, and I would say they're both equal and just the service, the quiet grown-up time you get, and a great meal on top of it. We've definitely found that to be a worthwhile splurge and honestly still a really good value. I mean, the the $45, is, you can't get any kind of meal like that um, on shore for $45. So I think that's definitely the most bang for your buck is that 
Apollo brunch. The the brunch at Remy and Enchante is fantastic, but it's not quite as as budget friendly. And you are getting uh, a more fine dining meal, but not it's not like an all you can eat meal like Apollo is. <laughs> I'll just yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> our server was trying to make it all you can eat this last summer. We we kept saying, "Oh, well, I'm not sure about this," and you know, I was hoping for recommendations. And he'd say, "Well, I just I'll just bring you a little bit of this other thing." Well, a little bit was the entire dish. Yeah, the whole thing. Oh yeah, Paulo. With even without the buffet, Paulo isn't all you can eat meal. Um, yeah, you can, and you can always add stuff if you like. Just you ordered um, one thing and you don't love it, or you are not full. You can keep ordering, and they will keep bringing you stuff, and they bring you pastries or and desserts of the end. So yeah, you can. It is definitely even. I know there are people who are disappointed that the buffets hasn't come back and is not coming back. I mean, every indication is it's not coming back. So I'm just going to say it's not coming back. But honestly, I don't know that you need it. There's only like, there's a couple things I missed from the buffet, but in the amount of food uh, department, I, I don't need the buffet. I agree. I was curious as to what I would think about the difference, but yeah, I thought it was it was the right balance of, you know, kind of being able to pick and choose, you know, get good recommendations. But yeah, I don't think leaving hungry would be an option either way. Well, Sarah, what's top of your list that we haven't talked about in terms of tips here? Um, for us, the gift shops are much more of a kind of small item experience. We've definitely managed to make that a place where we can, you know, spend just small bits of money, you know, a magnet here and there, you know, a new, a new plush or things like that. Um, but we've actually kind of used more of the, Hey, we're going to do the fish extender with the kids. And we, you know, again, it's, we're putting time in ahead of time, but I've learned how to use a sewing machine and we're, you know, making all these cool projects and and that's kind of part of the fun leading up to the vacation. So I would say buying things at the gift shop has definitely been a place that we've saved because it's typically been, you know, just one or two small items, you know, for not even necessarily all of us in the family, but we've definitely managed to kind of walk by there on the way to the show and just look, say, wow, that's pretty and, and continue on our way. And then keep walking by. <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought about fish extenders as a way to help budget, but I, it can be if you're, if you're creative and crafty, I will confess it's been now years since I've done fish extenders. I did them pre pandemic um, and I haven't done them since the return to Brian's uh, hoorays. Um, <laughs> He he's he was not a fan of me doing fish extender just because it meant you know obviously more packing and planning and stuff like that. I I also just wasn't a big fan of like we bring this stuff home and then it's not I mean it's not really stuff we need right and so I'm I, I that's where that's where that's where some of my concerns lie. Yeah, sure, but I but I think for Sarah's point is right. If you are if you're crafty and can make something cool for other cruisers that you know you think other folks will like, um, you can do fish extender gifts on a budget, and then your kids are getting fish extender gifts, and so if they're getting their you know their souvenir needs met by those fish extender gifts, they are hopefully not begging you to go buy them something at the gift shop. You know, you can stay out of Mickey's main sale a little bit easier. We have definitely taken advantage of kids only fish extenders too. You know, again, like you're saying, hey, it's more things I don't need. So, you know, I think that definitely helps to to curb on on that kind of aspect too, where a lot of times it's just, you know, the kid's going to look back to see uh, what's there for them. And again, yeah, it's the, that's kind of their version of the gift shop, right? They don't feel like it's a, it's a big deal to go to the other place because they're more excited to see, see what's waiting for them when they get back to the room. 
I want to give one more tip because I just thought of it. It popped into my head as we were talking about the gift shop. One of the things that people will notice in the gift shop or typically Mickey's main sale is that they sell things like Advil, Benadryl, Dramamine, ibuprofen, you know, all the sort of your over-the-counter meds. So if you forget them at home, you can go buy them at the gift shop. But what a lot of people don't know is Guest Services also stocks all of those typical things. And guess what? You can get the generic ones from them for free. Before you go to the gift shop to buy Advil or Tylenol that you left at home, or even uh, Benadryl or even Dramamine, go to guest services. Actually, at um, if you go down to the health center, they always have Dramamine or Bonine, whatever it is, out just like sort of in a in a grab bowl um, right outside the medical center down on deck one. But if you don't want to go down there or if you need something else, you just go to guest services, ask them, and they have a full array of those kinds of generic. Again, they're not going to be the brand name ones. They're just going to be the generic ones. But those kinds of over-the-counter meds, they'll have them in those little paper packets and you can take really as many as you need. Lots of tips and tricks for people to chew on here, I believe. Sarah, any last final one that you that we missed or did we cover them all from your point of view? I got one more and this is from our recent trip. So we actually sailed our family of four in a standard inside room for our seven nights in Europe and we did not have a problem with it. We were kind of surprised going into it thinking, okay, we know it's one bathroom, it's smaller space, it's no window. How's this going to work? We absolutely didn't miss a beat. I think it surprised all of us by the time we were done that we weren't going crazy and stepping over each other's toes. Um, It was really fine. And, you know, especially for Europe, that saves you a lot of money to not need, you know, either a window or a veranda. And yeah, we were very pleasantly surprised that it was a really, really good experience. One more thing we didn't mention, which we talked about quite a bit on our prior episode that we did on sailing on a budget with Disney guaranteed staterooms. I'm not going to go into the different categories because we talked about them on the prior episode that we did. But if you are interested in booking a guaranteed stateroom, I would suggest listening to that episode because it will be helpful in explaining the different categories. Well, with that, I think we will wrap things up and just say there's there's so many more ways you can save money on a Disney cruise line as well, from a whole strategy around buying gift cards to using Disney rewards points if you've got a Disney Visa. There's just there's there's tons of strategies out there that we've barely touched on. We probably touched on some different ones in our prior episode, and I'm sure we'll have future episodes as folks uh, find more and new and novel ways to save uh, a little bit of money on their Disney cruise or to stretch their dollar further, as I would like to say. So, Sarah, I just want to stop and say thank you so much for coming on and sharing some of your family's tips and tricks. And uh, you know what? We look forward to having you back the next time you sail. Do, do you have a cruise booked? Not booked, but we're eyeing getting on the wonder before it disappears off into the Southern Hemisphere. So I think that's what we're eyeing for the spring. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we love the wonder. Yeah. Well, let us know when you're sailing and we'd love to have you come and chat about your first time on the wonder. Awesome. Sounds great. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice 
voicemail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.